right, welcome guys. We've got the August 8th edition of Cascadian Views going. I've got Dan and Chris with me here again this week. How are you guys doing? Right. Pretty good. You know, the heat wave kind of broke a little bit, but it's you know, kind of round two. <laughs> yeah, we were over 100 again yesterday. Uh, something like 86 today, I think. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, biggest news this week, uh, after looking like we weren't going to have a bill at all, we, uh, we got the, the climate and healthcare bills titled the Inflation Reduction Act or whatever. Um, but it is, it is Biden's signature climate and health policy bill that he has been trying to get passed for literally years at this point. Oh, mock the name. I think that's half of what got Manchin to sign on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's there's plenty of good things in this bill. They did have to negotiate out some parts of it, uh, notably because they chose to go through reconciliation to beat the filibuster. Republicans were able to strip out a policy that required private insurance to cover insulin at $35 a dose. Um, that was determined not to be budget-related, so they had to get 50 for that. They got 57 which is... Frankly, seven more than I thought we'd get, even for something like that, but three short of what they needed. So that part is out, but Medicare recipients and Medicaid recipients will now have insulin capped at $35 a vial. Uh, climate is mostly investments towards the future. Um, a few projects shovel ready, as they say, uh, but does get us on a, a pretty good track to start building something better, to use Biden's terminology. Yeah, I mean, lots of good uh, things for consumers there. I mean, uh, investments for uh, rebates for electric vehicles, uh, discounts for you know, retrofitting homes for you know, solar panels, and uh, I think electric range tops, all kinds of things for just making people's homes more green, just on front-facing you know, things for you know, just everyday Americans, but then yeah, everything in terms of upgrading infrastructure and things like that—it's just a massive investment, like you said, in building up a society that does not produce quite so much carbon. You know, that's you know, spit out into the atmosphere. I, I'm very much looking forward to watching it be completely gutted in two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Biden's still got a veto, yeah. so. We might have to wait, uh, well, yeah, I guess two years. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we can also get some lawsuits to hold up every individual application of it between now and then. Oh, that's true. Ooh. We had quite the votorama. Uh, voting went for, I, I think, like 16 straight hours uh, in order to get everything through. Um, didn't seem like that much of a surprise. There was, was one Republican... Uh, amendment allowed through, or was that blocked as well? I think they had to block pretty much everything because, you know, this was such a delicate deal. That <laughs> yeah, they were really courting Sunim on a capital gains um, carve-out, and I, I thought I'd seen that that looked likely to pass, but I never saw any actual final result from that. Hmm. No, I the only thing much. I heard about was the insulin piece, and that was it was the parliamentarian who overruled that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we all 
knew that was coming. What impact on the budget is it at all? What private insurance is mandated to cover something in? Was never going to fly through reconciliation. Yeah, I was going to say just about all of uh, cinema's shenanigans. I'm pretty sure it had to be worked out in advance before they even got to Votorama, just because you know, like everything was just so fragile. They wanted to make yeah. sure knife edge. Was exactly. So every amendment was voted down pretty much. Yeah. If it was a if it was a if it wasn't a Republican amendment, they were voting it down. You know, like ninety to ninety nine to one. If it was a Republican amendment, it was just Democrats voting him down in unison. So yeah. Uh probably the the biggest win I think Biden's been able to get so far, which is good. We need some. Uh midterms getting pretty close, guys. <laughs> it is. I mean that's kind of it's a little bit of a shift in the vibes, I would say. I mean, stacking up things like you know the the chips bill, the the what was I thinking of? Also, uh, the the big uh, veterans bill that they passed this last week as well on their second uh, try, second try, I think, passed, right? Yeah, yeah, he's passing a lot of bills in the last few weeks, and some of them. You know, substantial bipartisan support. So, I mean, I think there may at least be room to kind of change the narrative on what's happening with Biden's administration. It's you know pretty late in the uh, late in the hour to do it, but I mean, if you want to have a narrative for a comeback right before a midterm, is not a bad time for it. But, I I feel kind of the same way. Um... And I know this is very crass, callous political thought, but it really feels like the the Dobbs decision lit a fire under some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, we'll talk about an example of that later, I think. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, just the impression that the Democrats couldn't do anything anything right <laughs> certainly gave gave them an incentive to you know get something done. Uh, Chris, I think this is as good a chance as any to talk about it. Kansas had a a state primary the other day, and they had a ballot question on there, which was very confusingly worded. Um, but it, it sought to overturn Kansas Supreme Court precedent that uh, abortion was protected by the Kansas Constitution and instead allow the legislature to regulate abortion. It failed and it failed substantially substantially like double digit blowout substantially yeah yeah like they beat it 2 to 1 like so much so that you can't even i mean first of all it's Kansas but <laughs> you can't even say this is just well the democrats turning out in higher numbers which definitely did happen there clearly is a big middle even in a red state like Kansas that was uncomfortable with this measure. So do we do we take any larger lessons for the midterm from this? I hope so. <laughs> I'm not not entirely sure. Um, I believe the Democrats have actually pulled slightly ahead on the generic congressional ballot now, but I they mean, have, yeah, slightly ahead doesn't doesn't really do it 
yeah. things to gerrymandering and voter suppression. Yeah, I think the consensus is that they need to be like what I think plus five or something like that. I think even higher than that. Like I don't know what it is with the new maps, but when this was talked about in 2018 and whatnot, Democrats said to be at a plus seven to plus nine territory come away with an actual majority. Yeah. I mean, there is some difference. I mean, now they're running from incumbency, so I think that at least gives them a little bit more of a cushion. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely they need to be better than breaking even. Um, Definitely they need to be breaking, doing better than, you know, even just, you know, a fraction of a percent, which I think is how much they're leading by right now. So hopefully they can have some growth, but... I am starting to feel a little bit more confident. Yeah. Um, and the weird thing is, I think that's not actually on the Democrats. I really do think Republicans tried just too hard, too quickly to to kind of steer this country into a right-wing hellscape uh, on the assumption that they consolidated all the power they needed to. And I, the reaction to right. that is... I mean, it sucks what we had to go through to get that reaction, but God bless it. It it feels like it might carry the day here pretty soon. Yeah, that yeah, people do still still react to that, and <laughs> there may be some voter response to the the just the absolutely horrifying shit show that is the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah. They they certainly have not made it easy on themselves, like. Don't get me wrong. I think Democrats are doing some good things right now. But I think Democrats being in a position to salvage this midterm is not actually a consequence of anything Democrats themselves have done, but entirely a cause of, uh, or a case of self-inflicted wounds on the Republican side. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you defeat a measure to um, help veterans and you're photographed celebrating it on the floor, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just unbelievable, unbelievably terrible politics <laughs> from top to bottom. And, yeah, they've got, they've, they've, they're really the dogs that caught the car on abortion in so many ways. I mean, they've, they're going to be caught defending just the absolutely horrific and inhuman laws that they've passed in so many states. And, you know, the real life examples of people that are going to be get caught up in just the horrific situations that they've caused. And it's going to be happening like every single week from now until election day. And then even worse from now until, you know, you know, when Biden's running for reelection in two years. So yeah, they've sown the wind and now they are reaping it. So, so I don't know if it's enough to pull out the house, but at least it's enough to, I think sure up helps the Senate. Senate. Yeah. 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 The House is in such bad shape that it'll be really, really hard to hold. Yeah. And some key governor's races, which is good because yeah. there are a couple of states that are, you know, a governor away from becoming Republican hellscapes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was looking at, you know, the 538, you know, their governor's model and inexplicably like not only are we you know in shape to like you know pick up a senate seat maybe you know we could be looking at having conceivably picked up like 
two or three governorships on net. It is not out of the question that we end this election with 58 senators per 538. Like, it, it's statistically relevant enough they put it on the headline graphic of the 100 most likely outcomes. Yeah, I mean, that would be absurd, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, we're, we've definitely got basically Mer- Massachusetts in the bag. Maryland is very plausible in terms of you know picking up governorships. Um, Arizona is in the mix. Presuming that would be a big deal. Arizona yeah, got more popular or more possible, I think. Um, yeah, their nominee for governor turned out to be a, a pretty a real crazy yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to be very important in the Senate race. There, uh, it's going to be very important in twenty twenty four. Um, but yeah, so you've got that in the mix, then, you know, considering we've got to defend the governorship in Wisconsin and, uh, oh my gosh, I was just seeing just the absolute shit show that's happening on the Republican side of things right there. They've got their primary happening on Tuesday and Trump is just absolutely sandbagging their... Uh, their front runner, the, who was their front runner actually, you know Scott Walker's lieutenant governor, who herself was you know a total right wing MAGA freak, but due to the fact that she was apparently politically allied with some local Wisconsin Pauls who were not completely signed on with some aspects of the big lie and in the most petty of personal ways, like I'm going into going in deep in the weeds because I was just looking into it this weekend. Uh, her daughter went to a homecoming dance with the son of the chief justice of the state Supreme court, who again was not signed off on some aspects of the big lie. And so for this reason, Trump has dedicated himself to destroying her (laughs) and boosting her opponent, who is polling significantly worse against Governor Evers. (laughs) And so he's been doing rallies. Jesus Christ. He's trying to destroy also the Speaker of the House there as well. Yeah, he's been doing big rallies over the last week. You know, Trump is just going rabid in the Wisconsin primaries right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he was still trying to get the election overturned just a few weeks ago. So. That's that's what this was about. Because yeah, they're not willing to help with his attempts to overturn the 2020 election in Wisconsin. Yeah, <laughs> which was two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm starting to think we hold the house. I mean, I, that that may be a bridge too far, but no. just the insanity of the meddling that Trump is doing. I, I mean, there's a lot of that, but also, so throughout this whole conversation, I've been listening to you go about just how fucking ridiculous this shit is getting. I've I've actually been reading the 538 forecast for the Senate and the House. Uh, we lost the 58 Dem senator uh, outlier, by the way, but in return, we now have a 6 in 10 chance of winning the Senate. Uh, and they've upped the chance of us having 56 uh, Democratic senators to to two out of 100. So there's a 2% chance we have 56. That used to be a one. There is actually 
a better chance per their numbers that we end up with at least 53 senators than we do the House. Uh, our yeah. odds have gotten better in the House, but not that great. It's, it's a 20% chance. We have a 1 in 5 chance of holding the House. And just looking at how those numbers have moved over the last three weeks, I am I kind of feel like we got it. I mean, I, and and it, it, the worst part it, is it, none it, of it is our fault. Like, none of it is because of us. That, that whole story you just told is a perfect encapsulation of why yeah. we're fucking winning. It's we're gonna get fucking nuts. saved, and it's because of that shit. It's fucking nuts. I mean, our 218th house seat is, like, it's some crazy shit, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get depressed when I look at the house projections, just because, yeah, we've gotten... We've gotten some bad breaks just looking at you know, between the gerrymandering and the seat the seats we were supposed to the seats we were supposed to get in places like New York and Ohio and how that got just fucked over. But Yeah. Well and yeah. the main problem which you can't really overcome at this stage is we actually did really badly in the house in twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, led a lot of seats. It's instead of holding on to them like you might think would happen with an yeah. unpopular outgoing administration. Yeah. Yeah, we ended up, yeah, leading seats in 2020, which, yeah, that really set us up to do, gave us no margin for error in 2022. And so we're, it's going to be really hard. We but have to, gonna... we have to win one Republican leaning seat. We've got to not lose any of the ones that we're favored in or a toss-up. Yeah. It's, yeah. If That's we, hard. I, I know it is, really but... Not losing any is hard. I, I really think yeah. we can do it. I really yeah. do. I, I'm looking at the map here. We're expected to take a couple of them off California. Uh, Valdao yeah. and Garcia are both looking like they're going to go down, so we need to win those, which I think is perfectly yeah. doable we need to sure. hold on to a couple tough seats in nevada one in kansas there's the rio grande valley seat in texas that we need to somehow hold on to even though we're, we're yeah, not really favored in that but it is is a toss-up so we need to get that there's a couple open seats in upstate new york that are rated toss-up but i i just i don't see those areas turning away from us 538 also, by the way, uh, expects us to lose that new congressional seat in Oregon, but it doesn't feel that way on the ground. So They also expect us to lose Schrader's seat, too, which, yeah. Yeah. That, they, that I, seems I, like they're really, they, they, they're that's, really bearish on that. that that's yeah. the one I was talking about. Sorry. Yeah. I, I should have been more clear on that because that's not actually by the numbers. Or, no, yeah, it's not by the numbers or new seat, but it is the one that kind of mess around with yeah they're expecting us to lose that in fact they don't even think it's close they think no, we've got yeah, a one-third chance they think it's yeah they think it's gone yeah uh which is weird because the error bars for the vote totals are like an 80 percent overlap based on their polls mm -hmm. <laughs> uh they forecast a vote share 48.5 percent to 51.5 percent i i don't see how they're so sure on that and i do think we have a good chance of that. I, I don't know. I just, everything seems to be aligning. And yeah. maybe it's me getting hopped up on hopium, but. 
<laughs> well, some of it's also, I mean, they've been talking about this as well. They're a lot of that deluxe forecast is influenced very heavily by uh, forecasters right now, since there's not a lot of polls that are going into the data, or at least in the congressional side of things. So you've got a lot coming from like Cook Political Report, a lot coming from uh, what um, Sabato, some of these other guys. People have been looking at. Uh, I mean, it's some data, but a lot of it's, you know, just historical, and a lot of it's the assumption that it's the midterm, so Democrats are going to get their asses kicked. So, you know, things could be due for an update. Yeah. Who knows? You know, reversion to the mean, we could just get our asses kicked the way we're supposed to. I'll be prepared to eat some humble pie if I need to, but I do think mm-hmm. this is going to be a nail biter. Yeah. Well, something just tells me we pull this out. Yeah. I mean, like some of them, like for instance, I mean, you got, I mean, there's, I mean, there's at least one seat in, I think there's an incumbent in Pennsylvania where right now the 538 model has us, you know, again, we're, it says we're going to get our asses kicked, but you think about it, you know, Betterman's whomping on Oz, you know, corollary to that, <coughs> you know, the model says we are definitely holding the governorship too. So, right. This is a seat that's also in, you know, P- Philadelphia suburbs where if Fetterman's going to win, if Shapiro's going to win, they're going to be running up the score in that seat. How does that correlate to a down-ballot congressional candidate losing in that district where, you know, Fetterman and Shapiro have to be running up the score to win. You know, something's not going to be making a lot of sense. So, yeah, I think the models are going to have to start accounting for that or something's just not, or one way or the other, it's going to have to rectify. So, like, either, you know, Fetterman and Shapiro's odds are going to get worse, or these candidates are going to start doing better in the model. That's what I think. I, I will say that um, one of the overall most positive things, I alluded to this a minute ago, but if you asked me six months ago, I would not have bet good odds at all on winning all three of, or even necessarily all of, any of, <laughs> um, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Yeah. And right now we look good to win all three mm-hmm. on the governor's side. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, we've been burned by Wisconsin before. I'm I'm amazed at how well either seems to be doing in the model. But like I was just saying before, Trump is going scorched fucking earth on Rebecca Cleveland. Yeah. Delightful. <laughs> I I <laughs> This is one of those Sun Tzu moments, you know, do not yeah. interrupt your opponent when they're in the middle of making a mistake. I like, know. Oh, man. I guess we'll find out on Tuesday whether he just totally burns her and you know, saddles them with another shit-ass candidate. <laughs> or he lets her limp through the primary with a, and she makes it through it after he's told them all not to vote for her because she's so if we if we make it through this uh in like 
an intact house, I 100%. The DNC needs to send a thank you basket to the RNC. Yeah. <laughs> they did everything that allowed this. <laughs> needs to send it to I mean, Trump. To Trump himself. Oh my god. It he, would be an amazing opportunity if we had even a plausible House margin and an expanded Senate margin. I I mean, I'm probably wrong, but like I've been saying for a while this episode, I think we hold the House. I'm looking at it and just too many things are going the way we need them to for this not to line up, I guess, in my head. It would be the biggest cosmic tease on like the universe scale if it didn't. Uh, also, fun fact... Uh, it's not inconceivable that Republicans are left with a grand total of eight congressmen from California after this election. Dang. It looks like two are likely to be tossed out in the Central Valley. Uh, we've got a pretty good chance of taking the 45th back in Orange County. They'll be left with a couple seats down on the Mexican border, one seat in the Inland Empire, two seats along the Nevada border and three seats up on the corner between Idaho, Nevada, and Oregon. Eight more than they deserve. Yeah. I mean, it's like 20 less than they had as of, you know, 30 yeah. years ago. Which is great. California used to be split roughly down the middle on a congressional delegation. Yeah. Do they have a real I guess they have a real candidate for governor, I guess. Kind of. I mean, say it's not like a total clown like Larry Elder, but, huh? Yeah. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, we are very nearly about to go extinct at the traditional level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the anti-California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Oh well. All right, we should probably get back to the actual topic list here. <laughs> <laughs> so before we move off of, we kind of segued from uh yeah to the primary the inflation bill <laughs> which is good it was a good segue but mm -hmm. i i think i made a comment on this in the group but i do think that one of the most significant things in there is medicare being able to open to to uh negotiate for prescription drug prices we've been trying to crack that wall in some fashion or another for decades you know and the fact that there's a very specific crack now, right? It's only Medicare that would be able to do it. But the fact that that got through and that we now have that wedge to kind of like keep working on could have a major impact long-term on pharmaceutical prices in the U.S. Yeah, it's been one of the easiest gets too, which is why it's weird that it, it was so hard. We have a massive older population on on medicare we have a massive uh poor population on medicaid this is a huge market for these drug companies to be selling to they want to access it so when you have something of value that somebody wants to get at you negotiate instead of just agreeing to whatever the person who wants to get it says i, I don't know why it took so hard to get to this point because the pharmaceutical company fought it tooth and nail yeah. And our system responds to money. 
Yeah, it's just, I mean, Canada is roughly the population of California, uh, although they don't act like it for medicine. What they act like is uh, a bunch of separate, completely separate entities. Your health insurance is not done nationally in Canada. It's done by your province. who all run their own systems that have to comply with certain standards, but, you know, are still independent. And even they are somehow able to negotiate much lower drug prices, whereas the U.S. medical system is like, well, they tell us this is what it costs, and this is what we have to pay. Does not make sense. And nobody in the rest of the world is paying this, but but we have to. Yeah. All right. Um, Pelosi has left from Taiwan. We were talking about her landing last week. Uh, China immediately begun live-fire naval drills. Uh, surrounding Taiwan, including some that actually were on territory that is claimed by Taiwan. Uh, Pelosi's plane even had to actually fly low out of Taiwan to avoid closed airspace from some of these live fire drills. Uh, there are environmental consequences from these. Uh, if you've been on Reddit today, you'll see just massive mats of dead fish that are washing up in Taiwan from all the you know torpedo and bomb explosions and whatnot. Uh, China's thrown a big blustery fury. They've imposed sanctions, uh, mostly centered around biscuits and baked goods, which I was not aware of until researching this. Accounts for something like 80% of the Taiwan to Chinese trade, so it was actually, I guess, aimed at something important. Uh, aside from that, I don't know. They're getting pissy. They're threatening to uh, back Russia's invasion of Ukraine even though they haven't yet. But it seems like that's it. They're throwing a little bit of a tantrum and nothing else. So my my doom and gloom last week was perhaps a little bit misplaced. They did not blow up Nancy on the tarmac. No, but they did launch a missile at Japan. That's <laughs> true. I mean, it's still pretty pissy, yeah. They, they didn't, like, actually try and blow up Japan, but they fired a missile that landed in Japanese waters. Japan was none too pleased about it. Yeah. Uh, she got uh, plaudits from both parties in Congress for this. It seemed to have pretty massive bipartisan backing, which is rare in the House these days, so good for us. Uh, Chris? DOJ? thinks they uh, are going to start treating Trump as a suspect. Is that correct? It seems like it. Um, what we know from the outside is that their grand jury has asked to talk to his chief counsel and the deputy chief counsel who was active in the um, whole legal maneuvering uh, during, after the election and up, leading up to January 6th, who were also you know, important key witnesses at the 1-6 Commission. Um, and we know also that they have talked to Pence's chief of staff and his chief counsel. So certainly if you look at who they're talking to, it looks like they're honing in on what's going on inside the White House leading up to January 6th. Does this signify that they actually might be doing something big now? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't been able to figure that one out either. It kind of feels like something you do before you, like, 
it feels like something you do from a, a like process standpoint before you do the big thing. But on the other hand, somehow I can't get it out of my head that this is just a big tease. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I guess what I think about it is these are the people you talk to, right? If you want to make a case against Trump, but making that case against Trump could still be tough. Like you might still get stuck at this next level down and maybe be able to indict some of these people, but not have a case that, not have the kind of case that justice likes to have when they go after someone, much less when they go after a former president. Yeah, it's definitely something, though, that seems important enough to watch this space as we go forward. Yeah. All right. Uh, we were hoping to have an update in the uh, the Washington Congressional District 3 race, where they're still counting votes, and we may or may not lose one of the only uh, anti-Big Live Republicans in the U.S. House. Uh, what we do know, as of this point... The Democratic candidate, Marie Perez, has qualified for the ballot. Uh, Washington uses a jungle primary system, top two advance. Uh, Butler, Jamie Butler, was right on the cusp of it. She gained a few votes in earlier vote dump. We are T-minus 25 minutes away from the second expected vote dump of the day. Uh, going into it, it, it seemed pretty much everybody was writing JHB off or dead. It looks like it might have been too soon. Yes, she's barely hanging on. She's 300 votes ahead of uh, Joe Kent, her uh, Trump-endorsed challenger. The primary rival there. Yeah. Uh, somebody, like, running a bath in the background? <laughs> we have gotten a uh, thunderstorm, which has oh, wow. decided to right now. Holy shit, that's rain? That is that's rain. Okay, that is intense. Well, we should that's all pray for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this I, is a surprise to me, you know, coming from California where I was used to, if it rains, it's like that kind of rain all day kind of thing. Here it's more like rains an unbelievable amount for a very short period of time. And then it's gone. Yeah, that's that's legitimately impressive. I had no idea. All right. Uh, so I guess we'll make a post in the group a little bit later tonight on whether or not Butler hangs on or not. Dan, if you had to guess, what do you think it goes? I mean, the direction of all of the... I mean, Kent's been gaining in every single update up until this point. So, I mean, the last one, she gained just a small amount. So, I would guess from trends that he's probably going to gain some more. So, I mean, my guess is she's probably going to lose more ground. So, I think she's still in really big trouble. So, Do we know how many votes are still out? Not clear. You know, there, there wasn't any anything in the story that I read how many there may still be out there. I mean, I think... From what I've heard, there's a lot. The next update is supposed to be larger than the one that we got at three. So, you know, I would not. I I would not uh, want to be in Butler's position. 
was doing some quick math here because they have a total votes listed, um, and I'm trying to figure out if that's the total votes they've received or the total votes. It is, oh, that's the total votes they've received, I think. Oh. So I added up all the totals that they have in the right hand, uh, I'm, I'm on the Washington Secretary of State results page, added up all the category, or all the candidates vote totals, and then looked down at total votes. Uh, for all the candidates vote totals, I get 147,182. For the total votes, I see 188,256. So it looks like they've got 40,000 more votes out there? Yeah, that's still... Okay. Seems like a lot. Fair amount, yeah. Uh, let's see here. So far, about a third have been going to res. Okay. Hmm. That... Yeah, and considering what the margin is right now, that could be very big trouble. Yeah. All right. We'll find out soon. Yep. Uh, I guess we'll call it here then, guys. Anything else you want to mention? Any local news? Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much what I'd had for local. So. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Chris, We're anything for you? Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey. What's going on with that? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, really, the only the only kind of live question in the primary is whether the slightly more progressive or the slightly less progressive Democrat will prevail in the in the House primary. And either way, whoever prevails will be elected. So that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. And what do you mean by by that exactly? Is this you know kind of like? San Francisco, where the battle is between actual communists and, uh, you know, left-wing Democrats? Or is this, like, a libertarian who calls themselves a Democrat plus a hippie who worked on the Ben and Jerry's farm for six years? <laughs> no, this is like a um, completely Bernie type versus a very liberal Democrat. <laughs> okay. Well, then it sounds like it's not the worst thing in the world either way. There is no bad outcome there, really. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, sounds good. Wish it were the same everywhere. All right, guys. I'll uh, I'll see you next week. All right. Talk to you then. All right. Cool. Bye.